Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Every Wednesday, J.C. Cole checking in like clockwork from New Jersey. How's J.C. today? Well, I'm pretty good, although it's a little bit cold and it's 20 degrees uh, this morning and I'm tired of this. <laughs> the daffodils have ice on them. Hmm. So tomorrow it hits 70. Um, we Yeah, we need uh, some warm spring showers if we're going to talk about weather. I'm in Alliance, Nebraska. There was a nice wet snow last night, but it didn't amount to much. Right, but these weather changes are going to also add a little bit of havoc to our to our food production. I expect them to can continue or get worse. Yeah, every time the wind blows like it did yesterday, I think of J.C. Cole talking about these uh, dramatic climatic um, weather cycles that are coming. Yeah, yeah, it's the solar minimum is approaching. Um, or actually, it started. So, but you remember last week we ended with um, don't stand in front of the fan, as in, you know, when sewage hits the fan. Yeah, right. Uh, but I think this week guacamole hit the fan, or actually, no guacamole. Avocado <laughs> prices rocket to a decade high as Mexican production set to plunge. Wait a minute, how can prices go to a record high in pun and uh, and uh, production plunges? But anyway, that's the world we're in. And uh, this week in the world news, just amazing stuff um, that you, you couldn't believe it, except for this is what we're living. Mm-hmm. Um, besides our Alzheimer's patient in the White House insulting the man who has the largest amount of nuclear weapons on the, on the planet. Nothing else, really, you know. Well, there's something else that man has that you brought to our attention a month ago already. And now all of a sudden people are telling me, hey, did you hear that the petrodollar is no longer working and and the the Saudis and everybody's going to the Russian ruble? I'm like, yeah, I know, because I tune into JC every week. We stay abreast of these issues. All of a sudden now the world's figuring out this might be a problem for the U.S. economy. Just, Just a tad. Just a tad, you know, it's, uh, I, it, you know, we've been talking about a global three-dimensional or four-dimensional chess game going on. And this move wasn't uh, necessarily checkmate, but it certainly set the pace for checkmate coming down the road. Um, the, the move made by, by the Russians was simply brilliant uh, to back their currency with, uh, with gold. Because that will end the, oh yeah, I would say century-old monopoly um, mm-hmm. of the uh, of the fiat currencies, um, and there's nothing they can do about it, right? Um, you know, it's a fait complete. and and now the challenge for the Americans is we just don't comprehend how big an issue this really is, because. Because it it's dealing with our currency, and and the majority of us have never had experience with other currencies, except for me. I mean, I I went through the collapse of the Soviet ruble, the Latvian ruble, or the change in the Latvian ruble, the Latvian lat, and the euro. 
right? And, and they can sometimes be incredibly devastating. So what this is basically saying is the petrodollar just got the nail in the coffin, right? It, it won't happen tomorrow, but, um, but let's say the dominoes are going to start falling. And yet, JC, if you talk to uh, investment bankers, if you talk to people in the banking business and you tell them what you just shared with me, they're like, yeah, I don't see any of that. I'm like, well, how can you not see that? How can you not see the Russian ruble being tied to gold? We haven't been tied to gold. We've been tied to the petrodollar, and now that's vaporized. How can you not see that there's only one way to go here? That That's correct. And and that leads to one really important thing, especially for us in America, right? These guys have no experience with that, mm-hmm. right? And, and as as you know, you're a sixth generation farmer. You have a lot of experience with horses and cows, <laughs> and, and you know when you get those city slickers out there on the ranch, you say, "No, don't don't stand there. Do not stand behind the horse, and do not pat it on the butt." Right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But. You know, and, and this is the whole thing. We're being led by people without experience. Americans have not experienced true hardship since 90 years ago. Mm. You know, and, and now you're dealing with the Russians and the and the former Soviets who uh, half of the Russians haven't dealt with uh, hardship since last week. Right. right? <laughs> and and the majority of the Soviets, all 300 million, hadn't, hadn't seen it since, um, let's say, um, 30 years ago when the, the Soviet Union collapsed. It was miserable there. Uh, this is going to seem random and not related in any way, shape, or form. But this weekend, uh, I was actually home a day. It was wonderful. And Landry, our youngest, she'll be 17 next week, It plays on a club volleyball team. And we got Landry. I, I took Landry to the volleyball day of activity. And we got to the uh, gymnasium about 6.30 a.m. or six between 6 and 6.30. And so what happens, it's in Kearney, Nebraska. Parents pull in there. They dump their kid off 30 minutes before the game starts, and then they go park somewhere else. And the reason I'm walking you through this and this entire endeavor is that everybody is complaining about fuel prices, right? These fuel prices, and look what Biden has done to the infrastructure of energy and oil, and all of that's true, except after these parents pay $4 a gallon for their gas in their car, and they dump their daughter off to go warm up, what do you think they do, J.C. Cole? Complain about Russia? They go sit in the parking lot with their car running for 30 minutes to stay warm while they could walk in the gymnasium or just sit in a car and turn it off. And I, I wanted to, I didn't have, it was a bad situation. I wanted to take a video. There were 17 cars in one spot sitting in a parking lot, just running. So the people could be punching on their phones while they're waiting on the kids to warm up. Well, why didn't you just turn the car off? So don't complain to me about $4 gas. If you're going to sit in your car just to stay warm. And and four dollar gas, I hate to say it, four dollar gas is cheap. Okay. If you if you if you talk with Andrew, parts of Britain are at least eight dollar, maybe mm. uh, maybe even ten dollar um a gallon of gas. I and now you know, I was looking at the some of the forecasters and they're saying <clears throat> that by the end of the year oil could be at two hundred dollars a barrel. I think we covered off on this. 
Um, and, and, and notice that's not predicting any type of attack on, on the oil production system. And as you, you posted, there was a main attack on one of the largest uh, refineries in Saudi Arabia. Um, Fifteen uh, oil locations were attacked, one water plant to be exact. And by the way, I posted what you sent to me because you keep me informed. And, and so, so if you actually look at it, the $200 a barrel of oil will equate probably to maybe $10 a, a, a gallon of gasoline. And I had said a long time ago, one of my contacts, uh, you know, with one of those agencies that you don't talk about, <clears throat> uh, said oil can go to four to five hundred dollars a barrel. Well, how, how, how can that be? Well, that's really simple. If just with what the supply is, if our the buying power of our dollar drops by 50 percent, mm-hmm. then oil's at four hundred dollars a barrel. And you go, well, do you see anything that happened this week that may 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 affect the purchasing power of the dollar? Right. And of course. You know, and, and and I don't know about the numbers, but I think it's about $15 a barrel. I mean, $15 a gallon of gasoline when when uh, the farmers um, um, get hit really hard. You know, there's going to be a point when the farmers can no longer afford to run their machineries uh, um, and, and, and do food production. And of course... You know, we started with it. When we have food, we can solve all problems. Right. When we don't, we can't solve any. That's what we're doing here on a daily basis, solving problems. Today, we do it with the insight of J.C. Cole. The program is Roll Route. We'll be back with more after this. Let's talk about the event that's coming up next week. It is next week now. Broken Bow, Nebraska, certified Piedmontese. It's the bull sale taking place in Broken Bow on April the 9th. On April the 8th, Amanda Radke will be in town. I'll be there with her. The night before the bull sale is a typical fellowship kind of thing, just customer appreciation, and really, you don't even need to be a customer. Just come and enjoy a discussion about the future of the beef industry, what exactly the Piedmontese cattle present to the overall consumption of beef, and how you can be a part of it at any level you choose. Most importantly, we need commercial cattlemen to sign up. They'll use the Piedmontese sires on cows, commercial cows, black baldies, whatever cow you may have. I have limousine. They work great on that. For certified Piedmontese production, LoneCreekCattleCode.com. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole joining us from New Jersey with his insight and wisdom of 18 years living in Lafayette as everything was crumbling and he was building. He's just a salmon swimming upstream of course you know what happens after the salmon lays the eggs hey yeah i do <laughs> feed the feeds the other fish yes yes did you just call me a fish <laughs> did you know that uh they have now i actually interviewed a guy who has um developed a company to remove those dead salmon from the waters and creating a very valuable viable product with that dead salmon. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so let, let's focus on, still on uh, what Russia did, the central bank, when they put the, the ruble. They pegged the, another very interesting thing. They pegged the ruble to a gram of 
gold. Okay, so 5,000 rubles um, equals uh, one gram, right? And you, you, you think, well, that's strange. Why did they do that? Because the rest of the world generally runs in troy ounces. And by the way, a troy ounce is different from an ounce by just a little bit. But why are we still using troy? Troy got destroyed, <laughs> got destroyed a few centuries ago. But, uh, but getting right back to it. So what happens is a gram, a troy ounce is equal to 31.1 grams. So they just set the standard of how much a gram costs, which is a much smaller unit, which is implying that the price of gold will eventually skyrocket and that you have to use the lowest common um, uh, uh, denominator, let's say. Of, and so we will, I would not be surprised if we stop using troy ounces and start to go to grams. Right, that's one. Then the other thing they did was when you actually convert it, you know, 5,000 rubles per one gram into troy ounces, they set the price of an ounce of gold at $1,600. When the spot price of gold right now is more like $1,950. So what they did was they undercut the U.S. dollar's trading ability in gold, which is simply brilliant. So if you wanted to buy gold, it's cheaper for you to buy it in rubles. And, of course, when you convert to rubles, you're bypassing the central bankers in London, which is the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. That's why everybody's so upset. I mean, the Western governments are so upset. They're controlled by the Rothschilds, and Putin just made a move to undercut them in two ways. One, sell oil only in rubles. And now you got the, you got the G7, all these, these quackheads. I don't know if that's a proper term. These, these, yeah, these jerks who run, um, the, 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 the European countries saying it's un, unacceptable for, for Putin to sell oil in his currency. It's unacceptable. You're breaking a contract. Although, although, what was it? Two weeks ago, they forbid him to do any trans, um, um, any uh, sales in, in dollars or euros by closing the SWIFT to him. So they're yelling at at him for something that they created, right? <laughs> and can you imagine? You know, can you imagine like like uh, uh, somebody going to Mexico and saying, "I'm sorry, you can't sell it in Mexican pesos. You have to sell it in our currency." That uh, that the bankers have have uh, controlled for for a hundred years. That's that's what they're saying. And of course, Putin, you know, Putin, <laughs> they say, "Oh, okay, we'll turn off the gas." Right? And actually, actually, that's that's what happened. Apparently, the major gas line uh, leading from Russia to uh, to Europe is is empty now. European uh, um, storage is is basically empty and and uh, the, one of the most amazing things germany scrambles to ration gas after refusing to make the payments in rubles well there's some good leadership for you and and the and the government minister advises germans to start wearing sweaters oh nice 
Yeah, well, you know, there's a good energy security system. There you go. Yeah, wear sweaters. Yeah. That's because you may not be able to afford gas to sit in your car for 30 minutes with it running. The Americans, we are one of the most wasteful yeah, societies on earth. Well, that's fixing the change. Uh, so really what you've just done is uh, put together the grandstanding that's taking place on the world theater with uh, the Rothschilds and the, all the people trying to control the world. Meanwhile, off stage, Putin is securing the outside world and locking the door. Yes. If you notice, he's getting China, India, and Brazil on his side. Right. Um, boy, that's half the world population right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, of course, we have a bunch of squawking morons saying, oh, he's bad. He's, he's, he's a warmonger. He's, he's you know, a an, an insulting. He's a tyrant. Insulting. Insulting. Yeah. He's, a, he's actually working to protect his people as a leader of a nation is supposed to do. What I don't fully understand, I understand virtually every bit of that, except I don't understand China in that concept, because I don't know why China would be friendly with Russia. I think what happens is they're, they're playing a very tough game of diplomacy where it makes sense for China to back Putin at this particular time. Well, I think anybody behind the scenes knows that China is the most, uh, the CCP is the most dangerous Absolutely. Um, element there, right? And that it would it, it would be incredibly ba- uh, beneficial for Americans to hook up with the Russians. And instead, our morons who are bought and paid for by part of mm-hmm. it, the CCP, right? I mean, it's very clear the links of um, of many of our um, our Congress and, and leaders to the CCP. You know, what was it? Dianne Feinstein's driver for 30 years was uh, mainland Chinese. Um, um, uh, was it, um, oh, the leader, um, uh, leader uh, of the Republicans is married to Chinese. You know, it's like, when uh, Mitch McConnell's were, wife, Elaine Chow. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. and then you had the guy in California who was, sleeping with and giving secrets to the Chinese spy. Right, right. Oh, don't worry. He's just sitting on our intelligence committee. Yeah, no big deal. Right. And, of course, you know, squawking Nancy Pelosi. Anyway. So there are people, I'm getting a lot of reports from not only Nebraska, but a lot of reports of people, whether they took your advice or they know that diesel is going to be short, this this year period whether you can get it or not at five dollars eight dollars whatever it's access and people are stocking up because you told us early on you need three years supply of diesel but i don't see i'm not poo-pooing that i'm just putting into context and you could transfer this into ukraine too right now if you have the diesel to go out plant crops and harvest crops and you did that you you accomplished that because you put in these big tanks that enabled you to have a supply of diesel. What are you going to do with the crop when you get it? Because if you were one of the smart ones that was smart enough to have enough fuel to harvest the crop, they, you probably can't take it to an elevator. What are you going to do with the, with the, with the crop? Because somebody has got to haul it off. And then ultimately there needs to be a train involved and that's not going to work so good either. And if we got to put it on a boat, that's not going to work so good either. I mean, I just don't know if, if people thought about how complicated this is going to get. 
Correct. All of those links of the chain are going to break. And so let's say for the guys producing the food, they might have to cut back, you know, a, a, a tremendous amount just so that they can produce only what they can sell. Right. So they'll be in good position for food and maybe the neighbors will because it'll drop to it'll drop to the radius of delivery. And right now it's you know our radius of delivery let's say is 3000 miles. You know New Yorkers just just don't have a clue. They don't produce anything of value to humanity. And and their food comes from 2000 miles away. Well, when the delivery costs get to, you know, $10 or $20 a gallon, the food's not going to be delivered, right? And there's going to be a lag time before local production can get up and running. I can't imagine what my friends, and I have a ton of friends in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, are going to endure because people are going to show up in that great food-producing county like never before. I I can't even visualize, JC, how that's going to take place. We'll visualize the rest of this conversation in the second half of Rural Route right after this. I want to remind you about healthy living and the essential elements of healthy living. Nitric oxide is at the top of the list. You know, today I talked about choline on Across the Pond. Choline is an essential element for building brain. And nitric oxide builds the brain, builds the cardiovascular system. It builds your immune system. Nitric oxide is the key element. Dr. Nathan Bryan, the global authority on nitric oxide, shares that with me and you on a regular basis. His website will be up and running next week. In the meantime, if you're out and you need some NO2U, get a hold of me. I'll ship it to you. Kelly will ship it to you today. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole. I'm in Alliance, Nebraska. Railroad town. You know, it's one of the most famous railroad towns in the nation, J.C. Ah, I didn't know that. Yep. North Platte and Alliance, two of the most prominent railroad towns in the country. Yeah. And if right there, you know, if I'm not mistaken, railroad is one of the cheapest ways to deliver. It is. Yeah, well, you know, so, depending on so, what you're delivering, oil yeah, is true. cheaper to do it via pipeline. Uh, yes, yes, but uh, railroad is a good backup, and and so you know, Mr. Buffett invested in an awful lot of railroads a while ago. Yeah, well, yeah, he owns virtually all of them and the pipelines. By the way, yeah, well, he owns so, a percentage of the pipelines, the Keystone. Happens to be one he doesn't own, but he owns some of the competitors, so do the math on that one. Yeah, yeah. So so what's going to happen is, you know, the dominoes fall over, and then you got to set them one at a time back up. And and so the, the concentration there is, one, to get out of the way when they start falling, um, because I think their cities are just going to be um, lawless if they aren't already. But... Uh, literally they're going to be death death zones and of course as soon as the water stops running you you now have one of the most deadliest things in you know in in the world and that's waterborne diseases Mm -hmm. um and so so the only thing to do really is get out of the way and that's why i keep on trying to 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 convince uh, pig-headed investors in new york 
you know, and that's another I, thing. I, I, well, well, I, I see no reason for you to put a pig in this mix. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult the pig. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's one, before one you talk, Before you talk about those investors in New York, you just made me think of something that I've spent a tremendous amount of time talking about in my speeches and, <clears throat> excuse me, in the last 20 years. Everybody lives in fear and they're afraid of GMOs or they're afraid of this or they're afraid of that. They're afraid of hormones. They're afraid of all these things. The number one killer of people in the world, 4 million people in the world every year die from some water-related issue like you just described. And yet people drink water every single day. You have to. It's it's essential. And yet it's the number one killer of people globally every year. Nobody knows that or talks about it. And then, and then if you get into 87% of Americans are on city water, what happens when that stops running? There you go. Yeah. And I mean, we are, we are set up for a disaster, you know, and I came back and I, and I said, Oh, Oh geez, our, our supply chain is positioned to collapse. And you, you just, you try to explain it to Americans. No, that will never happen in America. Oops. <clears throat> the dollar is going to collapse, right? It's it, it has to. It's you know it's just mathematically impossible, and it's being controlled. We just don't know when. No, you don't know anything about it. This is America. That will never happen. Oops, right? You know now we have a limited amount of time to get to a position of safety. And actually, that's one of the things you can only help from a push, position of strength. So we keep on telling the farmers get to a position of strength. What strength? Well, in this particular case, storing diesel. So your your production works, you know, having guns so that you can protect your diesel, um, you know, having having water purification in case the system breaks, having backups for your well well pump. And because if your well pump burns out and there's no supply, you're not going to have water. Right. And so I have at least two backups. I have a brand new well pump and two backups. I had I actually I did not. Kelly had. The conversation with our pump guy. I tried to call him. He didn't call me back, but he talked to Kelly. So go figure that one, JC. And and so I told Greg, I said, I need to get a solar on my well so that if I don't have electricity or even just kind of makes sense that you would have that as a supplementation, right? But he, he said, you know what? Even though it's not on the grid, so to speak, when the weather severity comes like you're talking about and the sunspots and the, uh, what are the EM electronic magnetic fields, EMFs? EMPs. EMPs. Uh, it burns out the, the electronical components in the solar panel and you have a solar panel that can't do anything anyway. Well, well, that's possibly correct. It depends on the strength and the type of EMP, but you also... You have to consider that uh, if you're smart enough to put in the solar, you're smart enough to put in switches and and also um, uh, basically surge protectors. Okay. Now, now, we haven't really been through this, so we can't say it's 100%. But uh, if you look at some of the, the websites, these guys are putting out EMP-proof surge protectors, right, that – basically shut off the electricity and protect the unit. Um, it, it gets a little complicated on the electrical stuff, but I, I think they're available. Well, and, um, and the truth of the matter is that if you're doing this, 
the solar panel doesn't go directly to the pump. The solar panel goes to a battery, which stores the energy and the pump pulls from the battery. So you should have that ability to disconnect it if you have a surge protector. That makes sense. Yeah. But the, 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 the crux of the matter comes down to redundancy. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have re- different forms of redundancy. You know, um, for instance, as, as I said, well, um, we replaced our pump and a, a normal well pump here in the east gets easily 15 years. So we replaced it last year and, and the, ex- the old one still works. So I kept it. And then I went out and I bought another one just as a backup. All right. Why? Because water is crucial for for uh, for our life everything you know you'll get about three days without water and then you're in trouble right i mean that reminds me when i learned my brain was 80 percent water i decided i'm gonna feed that thing i'm gonna drink a gallon a day there you go yeah so so so, i uh, interrupted you partially because you're blaming the pigs let's call it a mule head mule headed a Wall Street investor, you're going down that path. And I'm okay because mules are stubborn, but that's their one of their finer traits. Yeah. So 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 right now the dollar has some strength. Right now we, we have an abundance of dollars. Right. And and Putin came out and said, you you know, invest in solid assets, uh gold, land, food. Right. So you're trying to get Wall Street to realize that their only way to survive is to create regional farming because the transportation is going to end from far away. And, and so trying to get people to, to look at it, but that's scary to them. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to sell fear. I'm trying to sell safety by getting you to invest into farming so that so that you and your family have a safe place to be and and can produce food, and that's another thing for the farmers is that if you have certain resources that you had stored up like welding rods, you know uh, that after the system breaks and starts to rebuild, you will have the tools to be able to do that, and that's exactly what I experienced when the the Soviet system broke. You would get there and you couldn't find the tools that you needed to start rebuilding. Well, fortunately, the West still was, um, um, uh, you know, had the supply chain working. But when the world supply chain drops, what are we going to do? I have a, a distinct advantage because, as you know, every morning I start the day with a conversation with Andrew Henderson. And last year he was impressing everybody who was viewing that he, because he was six hours ahead of us, he got information quicker than we did now jc and and today was a prime example he's sharing with us the fundamental supply chain problem where dairymen simply can't get access to the feed they need on a daily basis to feed their animals and we are not feeling that up close and personal yet and people are talking about oh you know the inputs are high but so are the commodity values and all of these things they'll just work themselves out no when you can't get the things that you need like basic feed ingredients to keep the animal alive you better have a big party cuz you're going to have to have a lot of people over to eat it and you can't haul it anywhere i mean That's it's right. just the beginning That's right our economics of scale is based on a very efficient and um, how do you say uh, um, uh, just-in-time system 
that is now the red lights are flashing is going to break. I, you, you know, I, I think it's a yellow flashing light headed towards a red light. No, I think it's a red light, but we let's not quiver. It's a, it's a, it's a light flashing. Are you, are you, Hey, that's the, that's the reason they have a lighthouse and the beacon on the lighthouse. It's all about letting you know something's going on and where to go. Right. You know, the red lights on, um, on your dashboard that says the oils, you know, the oil <laughs> is lacking in your engine, you know, you know what the nickname of that is? Idiot lights. Okay, I do not take offense at that, but I, I do know that from per- firsthand experience, if you don't pay attention to those flashing lights, it doesn't go good. No, it doesn't go good at I've all. I've done it twice, to be honest. Ah, yes. And so, so you know, that this is it. I mean, we're going to, I don't think we'll ever run out of diesel, the, just the prices will be prohibitive for what we're able to produce, mm-hmm. right? For instance, we're heating our homes um, probably, I'm guessing, maybe 50% of homes are heated with diesel. Well, you better figure out if you have uh, uh, trees nearby, how to heat with wood. <clears throat> right? so oh, that, uh, wait a minute. You really think that 50% of homes are heated with diesel? I would guess um, it's hard to say. I don't know. You know maybe, I don't know anybody heats their home with diesel. Oh, number two bunker oil. It's the uh, same thing. They LP. just change Liquid protein or liquid liquid protein. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's heating your body. <laughs> no, uh, LPG, right? Natural gas and yeah. and um, um, and uh, number two bunker. We yeah, have. We, we have electric and, uh, and, and electric will always be there because I have outlets. So as long as I have outlets, I can just plug it in. It's no big that's deal. That's true. And that's why we should all get, we'll go out there and buy a Tesla that will burn up, you know. <laughs> but my LP tank could run dry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I got something else running dry. It's called a clock. We have one segment, Roll Route Left. More fun, fr- frolicking, and futuristic talk. When we come back after this. I very much appreciate all of the kind words that I got for a fantastic job that Amanda Radke did yesterday on this program. You know, in fact, she's so good and you like her so much, I think she should do this more often. AmandaRadke.com. This woman is amazing. She's the mother of four. She's a wife. She's a devout Christian. And she's an author. Check out her books and her swag at AmandaRadke.com. And if you're not interested in books or swag, just read the wealth of knowledge that she brings to you with the Radke Report every day. AmandaRadke.com. Welcome back. We're all route. Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole reminding us why for 50, no, now like 60 weeks he's been spot on. Are you paying okay, attention so, or not? That's the question. Hey, you so, have not given me any trivia questions today. Are you slipping or what? I am about to say it. <laughs> okay, so every 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 week we look at what happened this week in history that was significant. All right. And so March 30th, 1981, what happened in Washington, D.C. regarding Ronald Reagan? Was that the day he got shot? That was the day he got shot. I was in the principal's office at the high school. 
we, we won't go into why. <laughs> right. Anyway, yes. So Reagan got shot by uh, an attempted assassination by John Hinckley Jr. It was reported. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you actually, and, and, uh, and uh, a press secretary, James uh, Brady, got hit in the head. But if you, you, you actually dig in deep, you know, um, into some of the guys behind the scenes in the CIA and the, the good guys, the white hats. But, but let me ask you, if President Reagan was assassinated, what person stood to gain the most? I'm assuming you're going to tell me the vice president at the time, which was a guy named George Bush. George Bush Sr. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's just look into it. The guys behind the scenes had said, <clears throat> now it's coming out, that uh, Bush Sr. Uh, tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan. Now, I know that would be a conspiracy theory, and most Americans couldn't be able to accept that. But you start to put the things together, and you know that, that Bush Sr. was the head of the uh, CIA. And, of course, the CIA is linked closely with the Nazis, right? And that apparently what happened was they set Hinckley up as the, um, the patsy. Well, if you do a little bit of research, you will find that John Hinckley Sr., his father, was a business associate with the Bushes and that the Hinckley family were friends of the Bushes. And, and Jeb Bush was supposed to actually have dinner that night with Hinckley's brother. Right. So you had the guy who would stand the most happens to be family, friends, long term business associates with the Hinckley's. I'd, I'd say that's a that's a coincidence. Right. That nobody nobody ever reported. But this is verifiable. Just look into Zapata oil and you will find that John Hinckley Sr. was was involved with uh, business with George Bush. Senior. Well, why if you're involved at this level, I mean, and this is about as bad as it gets. Why would you involve somebody that's a known associate of the family? Why wouldn't you find some homeless guy on the street or something? But if you look, you look into the assassination of JFK, I mean, uh, Lee Har- Har- Harvey Oswald actually came out and said, I'm a patsy. I'm a patsy. And then he got shot. Right. And then, of course, he didn't get killed in the, uh, <clears throat> at the police station in Dallas. They brought him to the hospital and he died in the hospital. Mm. Right. And then probably you know, gave him remdesivir. Yeah, right. And and so uh, now here's here's some things that if you dig in, you'll find that Brady, who got shot in the head, unfortunately, um, from from Hinkley, Hinkley did have a gun, right, ended up getting to the hospital in 10 minutes. But Reagan, who got shot, uh, it was rumored he got shot by a member of the CIA. They're using a, um, a high powered um, air rifle with a special type of disc and it fortunately just missed his heart right um and so so he was able to live but reagan took 40 minutes to get to the hospital so how and he was immediately shoved into the car by the uh, by the secret service jc i can still see that image in my head yeah and so so you you sit there and you ask why did it take 40 minutes to get the president to the hospital and it only took 10 to get the, the secretary to the hospital and apparently the rumor is, and I can only say these are rumors, the rumor was that the, the, the uh, Reagan 
uh, group was on the phone with the Bush group negotiating terms so that Reagan wouldn't be killed when he got to the hospital. Right, which makes perfect sense for us, the, the dark side of the CIA, which is an assassination group. Which brings me to what I think is the best question that I can come up with at this moment. How does this relate to where we're at today and, and, and what knowledge do we get, glean from that that we can use to be beneficial? Let, let me continue on then. Okay. Okay. So, so in 1971, Richard Nixon appointed George Bush as the ambassador to the United Nation. In 74, George, I mean, uh, Gerald Ford uh, made him the chief liaison officer for the People's Republic of China. And it's rumored that Bush has over 800 companies and that where did our manufacturing go and when did it start to go? Oh, up just about in the 70s, it started to export into China, right? Mm. And then he became the head of the uh, Central Intelligence Agency and then he became the VIP for, um, for Reagan. But if you actually look at it, Reagan got an attempted assassination in 81. They made in negotiations what, what Bush would control in the White House. There were two terms with Reagan, and then Bush Sr. was elected president for one term. Then there were two terms with Clinton. And if you actually do some research, you will find Bill Clinton as a teenager hanging out with George Bush. No. Yes. And and where was Clinton? Um, where was Clinton as um, um, governor? Arkansas. Arkansas. Just, just north of Texas. And they, they reported uh, the CIA the dark side of the CIA was running heroin through Zapata oil and they'd be processing in Arkansas. This is what's all going to come out. And that's where the whole list of Arkansas came from. Right. And now, so that's two, two with, so uh, Clinton was controlled by Bush senior, by the Bush cabal. Now you go, you know, all you have to do is go back to Lenin. The best way to, to control the opposition is lead it ourselves. And you just look at the, the Democrats and the Republicans, but how, who actually leads this? And then after Clinton, you had Bush Jr. for two, two um, uh, terms as president. And then after Bush Jr., you had Obama for two terms. And Obama, if you just do any research on Obama, he is a CIA construction. Okay, so literally you had nine presidential terms that the Bush cabal controlled the White House which is 36 years. And now you see where the mess came in. Now you see why we don't have our, our, um, our electric grid hardened because Reagan started it and Bush Sr. stopped it. Now you see why our, our, our so manufacturing is offshore. If that's all true, why did Bush Sr. lose to Clinton? <clears throat> okay, well, they had both sides stacked. Ross Perot was beating Clinton in the primaries. And if you remember, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Ross Perot stepped out of the race. And even at that time, even as a, as a bit young, I couldn't understand. Why did he step out when he was winning? And it turns out the rumor is that Ross Perot's daughter was getting married and that the, the Bush cabal said, if you don't step out, we're just going to wipe out the wedding. All right. and and um, and and threaten him. And so he stepped out. He had the wedding. He surrounded himself with uh, uh, high end security and he stepped back in. If you remember, he, and yeah, that was I remember enough, that was enough to ruin the Bush candidacy 
except for Bush had Clinton in his pocket and got them in instead. Oh, really? He's better off having somebody in there that he can control instead of being forced to do it himself. Right. And so so this is all, I mean, this is all coming out of like veterans today. And, and then, so, so I'm not, you know, I I wonder who, who is veterans today because I continue to see this outlet as a very (laughs) detailed, accurate depiction of what's going on globally. Uh, you just have to ask Gordon Duff himself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going there. Yeah. You know, I just read their stuff and I say, does this make sense? And and now, oh, let me get to one more thing. So Bush Sr. clearly is linked to the Nazis. His father was convicted by the United States government of trading with the enemies as funding Hitler. This is proof. This is all in the book, mm-hmm. The Rise of the Fourth Reich. But he's also a pedophile. Now, if for those people who don't believe this, who are shocked, who can't understand, no, this is impossible. Just do a search. DuckDuckGo, of course. No, DuckDuckGo got purchased by Google, just so you know. Go to Brave. Brave's a search engine of choice now. Okay, just do a search for the Washington Times, you know, the, the newspaper, June 29th, 1989. Okay, and you will see the front page, homosexuality. Prostitution inquiry and, sni- and snars VIPs with Reagan Bush. Call boys took midnight tour of the White House. It's in print. It just got deep sixed. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. It's just asinine that this is an issue globally like it is. Sure. I just want to get back to valuing human life for the unborn, for the born. And, and I mean, we can accomplish so much. And we have a few people that are standing in the middle. And two minutes, you know what, JC, before I let you close up today, I had a having many great conversations, but yesterday a young lady in Nebraska told me that I'm part of the problem. I've had my head in the sand for so long that now for me to get my head out of the sand and start to pay attention, it just hurts so bad, but I'm going to go through it because I need to know what I didn't know that is happening around me. The awakening is taking place. The awakening is taking place. This is part of it. And, and it is going to get brutal because what we're going to find out is there is this huge pedophile child sacrifice system throughout the world. And one of the centers was Ukraine, led by the Ukrainian government. Right. Not the Russians, the Ukraine. And so all those people who are backing the existing Ukrainian, congratulations, you're backing pedophilia and child sacrifice. Well, we have admitted through Victoria Newland that we have put $5 billion in the Ukraine in the recent times. So it wasn't just for, you know, to support Zelensky. Right. And this all comes back to a group of people called the neocons. And the neocons are Kazarian bloodline. It doesn't mean that everybody who is a Kazarian bloodline are evil. It just means the top is evil. There's something about it. It goes back. They started World War One. World War II. They're trying to start World War III. Mm. That's the only place we've disagreed today. I think they've already started it. We're playing it out as we speak. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. For J.C. Coltrane, Lewis, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. 
Once again, just want to remind you about the opportunities that exist with certified Piedmontese. Get paid more for the quality of beef that is produced. That still is the biggest challenge that we have as cattlemen. How do you capture enough of the consumer's food dollar to be sustainable? I don't care if you don't like the word. It is what we do. We produce beef. We remain sustainable so the next generation can come in. Lone Creek Cattle Company provides that opportunity with certified Piedmontese. LoneCreekCattleCo.com.